Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well today. I'd like to take a look at Jeremiah 26 today. It's Jeremiah 26. Now, this chapter actually begins four contests between Jeremiah and the false prophets. So, Jeremiah 26 is actually that first contest. Now, every generation seems to have what you might call the trial of the century, so to speak. In Jeremiah's generation, those religious people actually put Jeremiah on trial. They put him on trial because they did not like what the prophet had to say. They did not like his message. It was an unpopular message. Why was, why was it so unpopular? Why did they not like his message? Because in this chapter, the prophet and other places predicted the destruction of God's temple in Jerusalem. This angered the people. It angered them so much, they put the prophet on trial and demanded death. Now, let's look at his his crime. And this is chapter 26, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to start in verse 2. And this is where God commands Jeremiah commands Jeremiah to speak. It says, thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord. All the words that I command you to speak to them, do not hold back a word. It may be that they will listen and everyone turn from his evil way, that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not Listen to me to walk in my law that I have set before you and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I send to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house, he's talking about the temple, I will make this house like shallow and I'll make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. And you can see why they're angered. They don't really listen to the first part of what he says. It's the very end. I will make this house like shallow. Now, what does that mean? If you don't know what shallow is, you have to go back in your Bible a little bit in Joshua and some other places where it actually talks about shallow. Now, before Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, the ark was in the temple of meeting at shallow. So it's a city. Okay. In essence, shallow is the city where God used to dwell. However, when God's people broke his commands and they rebelled, the ark was carried off by the Philistines and God left shallow and made it a ruin. So what was Jeremiah saying? He was saying Almighty was going to tear down the temple and God's spirit was going to be removed. And that's what they heard. They didn't hear the first part of what he said. He's basically telling them you need to listen, you need to repent or this is going to happen. So what is Jeremiah's crime? Why is he on trial? Because he spoke the truth of God to these people. He preached a sermon that they didn't like because of their reverence and worship, literally, of the temple as God's protection. So let's look at the the anger and the arrest, so to speak, of Jeremiah. This is verse 7 through 9. And the priest and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him, commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priest and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him saying, you shall die. 
Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like shallow, and this city shall be desolate, without inhabitant, and all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord? (laughs) So what you have here is like a mob. All the religious people are gathering around, the priests and the prophets and the people gathering around Jeremiah. It's like mob violence. They want to kill him. And the truth is they might have murdered him (laughs) if God had not intervened. And actually in the next verse, the officials from the temple, like the princes, the government officials show up. So God intervenes. So what do you have here? You have a mob. You know, Jeremiah is preaching this word. They don't like what he says and it becomes a mob and they're trying to kill him saying, you shall die. Now I want to give you an example from history because I like to do that. Give you an example from history. And uh, it doesn't have bear the same weight. I'll, I'll grant you, it doesn't bear the same weight. But in the 1500s, Thomas Cartwright was a Puritan who aggressively challenged, would you say Jeremiah is challenging the people? Yes, absolutely. He challenged the Anglican establishment in church government. Now, he was Cambridge educated. He was a professor. He was actually a professor of, of divinity in Cambridge in about 1569. He was a very popular university preacher that drew large crowds. So what he did, he used his position, his popularity, and being a professor to challenge the Anglican church. Here's what he opposed. He opposed regional church government by bishops in any form of hierarchy in church government. They did not like that very much. (laughs) He went on to say that all ministries should collectively rule, ministers, sorry, should collectively rule the church. You might call this elders in our time. He also criticized certain practices he considered superstitious because they were not found in Scripture. He also said, on top of all that, he said each congregation should select its minister, not monarchs. And while these lectures actually energized, he was a professor, remember, energized the student body, you can guess what happened. Many Protestants were alarmed at this teaching because of how things were back then. They saw it as revolutionary and rebellion against established authority. And after several months, Cartwright was removed from his his position as a professor by the vice chancellor, John Whitgift. And guess what? Later on, Whitgift's loyalty to the Anglican establishment was richly rewarded by Queen Elizabeth. He would actually later become the Archbishop of Canterbury. Now, why do I bring all this up? I bring all this up to show often the best, the brightest, and those who are proclaiming truth, it may be revolutionary, it may be a reformation, but proclaiming truth, often they suffer. Truth does not always immediately win. It is often a test of our faith of doing what is right, not necessarily falling in line with everyone else. Was Jeremiah falling in line with all the other prophets? Absolutely not, but he was telling the truth. Often if we stand up to people with the truth, good things will happen. Eventually God will manifest. He'll bring good things and bring restoration. But when we do not stand up and tell the truth, often, often disaster 
comes. We need Jeremiah's today more than ever. We need people to tell the truth, no matter how uncomfortable that might be. And it was definitely uncomfortable for, for people in chapter 26 of Jeremiah. They probably would have murdered him, but they didn't. God saves him. In verse 10, the officials of Judah showed up at the temple. Let's see what it says. Verse 10, when the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up to the king's house, came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priest and the prophet said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death, because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. So here comes the charge by the mob and their mob violence. Here comes the charge. These murderous priests and prophets call for the death penalty because of what he said against the city and against the temple. In their mind, speaking against God's city or temple deserved death. But here's the kicker. The false priests and prophets never, ever considered repentance. The first part of what he said was about repentance. You must listen, change your ways, right? That's what he said. It's the message throughout the book of Jeremiah. But they didn't listen to that part. They never even considered repentance. It was the result of not repenting. They didn't like that part. They completely ignored the main message of what the prophet was actually saying. To them, the temple was like a national shrine, like a superstitious charm to protect the people from harm. It's really no different than someone prophesying today that they're or saying or telling the truth and saying, that there's consequences for sin, which there are, as the Bible clearly tells us. Now, what was God saying? God was saying, you can listen, turn from your wicked ways, or I'll destroy this, or I will destroy the temple. See, that's very simple. You can do this, and if you don't do this, this is gonna happen. I mean, it's really simple. Have you ever read Deuteronomy 28? Now, I'm not going to read it. It's very lengthy. But basically, Deuteronomy 28, that's the time of Moses. The first part is about blessing for obedience, right? Very simple. Blessing for obedience. Curses for disobedience. And now that's way back in the time of Moses. They would have already had access to this. They would have heard this. They've heard this stuff. There's blessing for obedience. Curses for disobedience. So they already know. They already know. And as the prophets have come to them repeatedly over and over through the generation to repent as Jeremiah is also telling them. Now listen, the point I'm saying is they didn't listen to the first part of what he said to repent, to listen, to change your ways. They didn't listen to that part. They only heard God will destroy the temple. That's all they heard. They ignored the main part of his message. Now let's listen to the response. How does Jeremiah respond? I want to tell you, this is a beautiful, wonderful response. It is a righteous response. And most of us probably would not be able to respond this way. When you have mob violence, people are threatening death, right? This is what he says. This is verse 12. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people saying, 
The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now, therefore, mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent. You see what he's saying? Amend your ways, obey the voice of the Lord, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. That is a strong statement. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know that for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to speak to you all these words in your ears. Now that is a righteous, righteous response. They are coming against him with mob violence, with a threat of death, right? And this is how he responds. He says the same thing he always says, or seems to always say, repent, mend your ways, obey God, and God will relent from the impending disaster. See, it's the same message. He doesn't say anything different. He may say it in a different way, but it's the same message. Repent. So this doesn't happen. So the temple isn't destroyed. So disaster doesn't come. Repent and amend your ways. Obey the voice of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, do what seems right to you. I'm in your hands. That is a strong, strong statement. See, Jeremiah's confidence is not in the people. They're threatening death. It's not in them. It's in God. And he says, I'm in your hands. But he also warns them. He also warns them. Innocent blood will be, if you put me to death, you're bringing innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city. So he's basically saying, you're going to bring evil upon yourselves if you kill me. So he tells them the truth. It is a righteous response. He tells them again to repent. And God won't bring disaster. It's very, very simple. But they're not hearing the message. They're not hearing the message. Now, what are we to think of all these things? Jeremiah brings a very simple message, a very simple message. Hey, you need to change. You need to turn from your wickedness. You need to obey God or this is what's going to happen. They completely ignore the repentance and become very angry. But here's what happens after he gives this response. What do you think happens? Actually, the officials and the people intercede. They say to the, this is verse 16. They, uh, the officials and the people say to the priest and the prophets, this man does not deserve death for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord, our God. Then certain elders of the land arose and spoke to those assembled people saying, Micah prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And he said to the people of Judah, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. And they asked, did King Hezekiah and all Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And did not the Lord relent of the disaster? Basically what they're saying is just because he's prophesying this doesn't mean he needs to be put to death. They're saying, they're actually saying he's speaking in the name of the Lord. 
Now, I just want to ask a few questions here because I know I've given you a lot. There's a lot here, but I want to ask some questions. When we get to the, and I'm not going to read it because I know I've read a lot here. When we get to the end of all this, going through this trial, (laughs) you know, and then uh, the priest, um, excuse me, then the official showing up, then the Jeremiah giving his response, right? And then people saying, the officials and other people saying, he doesn't deserve death. And if you go to the very end of the chapter, you know, Jeremiah is saved. He escapes death in this case. But here's my question. Here's my question for you. Jeremiah in this chapter is saved. God saves him from the mob, the religious mob that's trying to kill him. He saves Jeremiah. But are the people saved? Are all the false prophets and and priests saved? Are they saved? Do the people actually repent? You know, throughout Jeremiah, do the people ever repent? When you look at this chapter and how angry this made the people, Jeremiah threatening, if you don't do what God's saying, he's going to destroy the temple. He's going to make it like shallow. And most of you probably know what happens eventually. Later in Jeremiah, it's in chapter 39 and also in 52, it tells what happens. Jerusalem is destroyed. Jerusalem, you know, by Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar is destroyed and it's burned to the ground. And that includes the temple. Burned to the ground. See, what Jeremiah was saying was words from God of warning. He was warning them. And because they never listened, Jeremiah might have been saved in this circumstance, but the people weren't. They didn't repent. The false prophets and priests who were coming against him, they did not repent. They did not change. Throughout Jeremiah's ministry, he is warning the people, the prophets, the priests, and kings that they needed to repent. He warned them that God would destroy the city and the temple and that they would go into captivity. And all that happened. It happened. I know that's some tough stuff. It is some t- Jeremiah's hard to read. Some tough stuff. But it is God's word. And we can learn from it. What do you think we can learn from this? Number one, God is sovereign. He is almighty. He is in charge. And he means what he says. See, the prophet was speaking for God. He was speaking for God. Sometimes God puts us in dangerous situations. Sometimes you do and you obey and do what God says and just, you know, all kinds of stuff happens. People sometimes come against you, say all kinds of things, even though you're obeying God. God is sovereign. He means what he says, no matter how unlikely it might seem. Let me tell you, these people, they never thought in a million years God would destroy his temple. Chapter 39 and 52 tell you, they tell you, The city was burned with fire. It was destroyed. And so was the temple. So was the king's house. So were the people's houses. They were burned with fire by the Babylonians. It seemed very unlikely that God would destroy his own temple. But he did. God means business. God means business. His word is very serious. And he is in charge, not us. Number two, God is holy. God is absolutely holy. You cannot trample on his word and give him false worship 
without there being consequences. See, the people's hearts were not turned to God. You know, when you, you read this, just like I've already stated, all they heard was the end of what he said. The or part. Or the temple would be destroyed. Or it would become like shallow. That's all they heard. And they became very angry. They didn't hear the first part. They didn't hear the repentance or they refused to hear it. They completely ignored his main message. God is holy. And there are consequences when we don't obey him. Number three, God always warns his people before bringing judgment or major consequences. He wants to warn so that we'll turn back to him. He always warns his people ahead of time. But that doesn't mean that we listen. (laughs) The people didn't listen. The false prophets and priests didn't listen. The religious people didn't listen. The kings did not listen. But God warned them through his prophet. The prophet told the truth and told them what was going to happen. And that's exactly, unfortunately, that is exactly what happened. Number four, the truth, no matter how unpopular, should be spoken. We need to be honest and tell the truth and welcome the truth of God, even when it is very hard to hear. Was this an easy message for them to hear? Absolutely not. It was a very difficult message, I'm sure, to give and to receive. But we need to open up the doors to truth and allow people to speak the truth, even if it's difficult to hear. Hey, we need to be honest about our culture today and the situation we're in. And sometimes I believe we're not being honest. We need to welcome God's truth even when it's hard to hear because sometimes God has some difficult things he needs to say to us because we need to change. There's some hard places in our lives he needs to break up and transform. He needs to soften our hearts so that we'll change. And sometimes God brings a very difficult word because that's what we need. Sometimes God's discipline is what we need to change and become more like Jesus Christ. Now, after all this, I want to tell you something. Now, I know this is kind of a difficult message, but it's God's word. We need to listen to it. We need to read it. We need to soak it up into our hearts. God is for you and he is for America. Absolutely. But we need to open our ears and listen to his word and let it instruct our ways and how we how we live and reform us. We must, we must listen and turn from our wickedness or, or what does Jeremiah say? Or we'll face the consequences. See, it's very simple. It's not complicated. Obey blessing. You don't obey and there will be consequences. Now, sometimes God waits. Sometimes there's a delay in the consequences, but they still come. The destruction came because they never repented. They never turned from their wickedness. Their hearts were hardened to God. Now, I want to just say one last thing. If you look around the landscape today, we're living in very difficult times. And everybody wants a good word to be spoken. We need good word. We need words of encouragement. We need that. But listen, God is moving. He's moving the chess pieces around in the world today. He's doing major things. And he's very serious. 
it is time for us to get serious about his word and about repentance. Listen to me, about 10 years ago, God started speaking to me about the nation. And I'm telling you, it was just like this chapter 26. And what I mean by that is, it was about repentance. Now, it's also about restoration. But see, that's the problem. We want to jump to restoration without ever repenting. And let me tell you something. We need to repent. As a nation, as individuals, corporately and individually, we need to repent. We need to fall down our face before Almighty God for the wickedness in our land. Do you remember the prayers of Nehemiah and Daniel? They are prayers of repentance, asking God's forgiveness, falling down before God. Listen, God has a very strong hand of correction because he's God. He is almighty God. He is sovereign and he is in charge and he will correct his people. He will do, he'll correct nations. He'll correct leaders. He'll correct anything he wants to. Because he's in charge and he's righteous and he always does what is right. We need to start getting the message, especially when judgment and correction is knocking on our door. I mean, it's here, friend. It's knocking on our door. Are we going to listen now? I just told you 10 years ago. You think anyone was willing to listen then? No. I don't think they were willing to listen then or now. Now, that's my personal opinion. We want people to change. We want things to change. But you first have to fall down before God and repent. You have to soften your heart to what he's saying. And I'm telling you, in 10 years, the message has not changed. It has not changed for churches. It has not changed for organizations. It has not changed for businesses. It has not changed for the nation. We need to fall down and repent. For who knows what will happen. God may remove his heavy hand from our nation. Let me tell you, friend, there's no time like today, like right now, that we need to fall down and repent. Remember Jeremiah gave a very difficult word to very difficult people who wouldn't listen, but he still gave it because that's what God told him to do. Don't be like the religious people in chapter 26 who did not listen who did not repent. We don't have to be that way. We have a choice. We can change our ways. We can stop the wickedness. We can turn toward God, fall down on our face before him and repent. We can do that. It's our choice. We can do that. I pray, friend, today that you talk to God. You come before him and ask him, God, what do I need to change? What can you change in me? What needs to change? I'm telling you, friend, the message message of the Bible has not changed. Rebellion, repentance, restoration. You cannot skip repentance. You cannot skip that. That's part of the process. It is time for us to repent.